Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hi, my name is Sarah McDonald, and I'm your host to From Beer to the Bible. Today we have our special guest, our co-host, Scott Graham. Say hi, Scott. Hey, guys. How are you? Before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe at FromBeerToTheBible.com. As always, we're going to come to you today in Scripture. Today we're coming um, in our anchor Scripture is Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the counterance of his friend. Awesome. 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 So today we're talking about walking in fellowship with accountability. And what that means is basically... Who do we turn to for advice? Who do we turn to um, in our walk, in our 12-step recovery walk, in our faith walk, in um, just our day-to-day walk? Who do we turn to to hold us accountable for our actions? And so um, that's a little bit about what we're talking about today. If you will share a little bit with the viewers, again, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I am a recovering drug addict and and alcoholic. I'm also a... uh, a prison ministry pastor out of Gateway Church, and I'm also an ex-offender. So uh, I show up here once again. Thanks for having me again, but fully restored and ready to rock and roll. So. Absolutely. So tell us a, bit, a little bit about what account- accountability looks like in your life. Who holds you accountable to your everyday actions? Well, first of all, probably myself and then my wife. I'm happily married, and uh, she is, we're really good at setting the bar and staying staying on track with things but uh i can usually measure what's going on inside of me through my walk with god also so if, if i can't find peace when i'm worshiping or if i can't find peace while i'm reading the word i've got a support group of, of wise counsel and men that surround me that uh they're really good at helping point out where it is that i need some correction in and and i'm willing to receive it i think that's the biggest part yeah i I agree with that you know um every day when i get out of bed i either hit my knees or i immediately pray and that gets my day started and you can kind of feel the shift right and sometimes you can't like you said and if you can't feel the shift you're going to get it from other areas um i know in the morning you know i start praying and sometimes i'm just going through the motions praying and sometimes i'm really connected to Christ when I'm praying and I can feel that. And, you know, a lot of times I have to, you know, take the next step and go to my daily devotionals and, you know, get the word there. And it's like, who's speaking to me today? Who's speaking in my heart today? Um, I say this prayer every day that, um, you know, help me to, you know, find whoever it is I need to find today to help them or whatever. And that just gets my mind, you know, going for the day, like get out of myself and get into, who God wants me to be today, you know? And a lot of us probably don't do that. And that is something that I was taught um, probably first in 12-step recovery, but I didn't get sober in 12-step recovery. I had to go to treatment. But that, you know, going to treatment and learning every single day 
to get down on my knees and pray and to do my meditations every day. And to, you know, I had to be taught how to do that. And when I started doing that, it became a habit, right? And that's kind of what shifted me ultimately to getting sober and to continuing wanting to do that stuff day in and day out. So what is your, I mean, what do you wake up? You wake up every morning and you pray and. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I hit is the verse of the day. I grab my phone and I open my phone up and I look at the verse of the day because first thing I want to do is plug into what the solution is. Yeah. And then I'll go, I'll get ready to go to the gym, take some pre-workout and then head out the door. Then when I get home is uh, back from the gym is typically whenever I'd really start to saturate and marinate and, and what God's word is for me. Another thing that I'd like to do whenever I feel really off track is I just go to the Proverbs for the day and just find the wisdom in that. Why Proverbs? Good direction for life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, I might have to, to steal that one from you. <laughs> um, so an accountability partner is somebody who keeps you accountable for your actions. Like I said earlier, um, it could be your sponsor in 12-step recovery. It could be a spiritual mentor. It could be a friend. It could be your family. It could be your spouse. And like you said earlier, it can be yourself. And, you know, when we were out there drinking and drugging, we couldn't be accountable to ourselves because we wanted to get sober. We didn't know how to do this on our own. We went to the Lord and begged and pleaded, but we really didn't humble ourselves before the Lord. And it wasn't until I did that, um, that he kept me sober, you know, for, for long term. And then I started to see a change and I started to see what he can do little by little if I let him into my life. I have to get out of my own way and mm -hmm. let God in for me to start really hearing what he wanted me to do. And a lot of us are so busy with the day-to-days of life and the external um, of, of what we're supposed to do that we don't turn to the Lord first. We don't go to him and worship first thing in the morning. Um, the beautiful thing about you know 12-step recovery and what I've learned in this program um, and through getting sober is that throughout the day, if I forget to pray in the morning, I can check myself, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the day. And there's a lot of times where, you know, I'm just feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. Mm -hmm. And I go through my mental checkbox. Have I prayed today? Nope. That's usually what it is. Um, you know, I'm a busy mom, so I don't have, sometimes my mornings are chaotic and I don't get to do my normal routine. And so I get to check myself and say, did I pray today? Yes or no? Um, have I, you know, and if I have prayed that day and I'm still feeling a little off, I can go to the word or I can read some scripture or I can read some kind of book that I have, whether it's 12 step book, whether it's a Christian book, whether it's a book on life or mm -hmm. something that I'm reading. I probably have about five books on audible that I'm always reading because <laughs> I don't have time. Uh, but it's all things to better myself, right? Because I want to just I was given the mustard seed when I got sober and I just want to continue to learn what he wants me to do, where he wants me to go, where I need to be led next, what I need to do, what I need to um, take action on. And so, um, so who exactly do you minister to? Because in your prison ministry, um, you teach these guys how to walk the walk. And so what does that look like for you? Well, it's part of the great commission. We're, we're called to make disciples of other men, right? So, that's what we try to do. And the only way I could do that is by living it myself uh, in 12 step recovery. 
there's a part that talks about how we can't transmit something we haven't got. So it starts with me and it starts with my walk with the Lord to be able to transpose that to somebody else. But yes, uh, I've got a couple of guys in my life right now. And um, I talked to them before this and I've got permission to bring this up. But, uh, you know, I've 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 been sober a few years now um, and and that started off with the gift of desperation. And, And that started off while I was in prison. And uh, on my way to Tarrant County Jail, just right up the street, there was a couple of guys on your show a couple of, a week or two ago that were talking about going to Tarrant County Jail. I can relate with that as well. <laughs> and uh, it seems to me that that's an incubator for healing also. But I, I knew from the time that I had left this hotel that I got picked up at, strung out on drugs, on my way to jail, that I felt like God had told me that he was going to heal me and restore me. And that's when I knew that all the all the things that I can just do this on my own were gone. Like I needed the 12 step program in my life, off the wall and into my life. And so that's where it started for me. And so to be able to, to pass that on to others is what we're supposed to do. I think that's in step 12 that we, um, that, that we work with other alcoholics and other drug addicts, but there's two guys in my life right now that, um, man, I've watched the light come on and it, awesome. and, and it is just so much fun to, for the Lord to work, to be used as a vessel for God's work, to watch these guys come alive and well. And one of them uh, just bought a house. Oh, that's so cool. The other one just uh, got engaged and uh, fought CPS cases. And now he's got he's got shared custody with his daughter that he thought he would never have. Yeah. So, uh, and those are just the byproducts of just getting to walk with these guys. And, and, and for the most part, I don't get the credit. Jesus does. Yeah. You know, I just get to be used as his hands and feet. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so whenever you're looking for an accountability partner, what is your vetting process look like? So when I got out of prison, I had absolutely nothing, but I knew I, I had a fire inside of me that, that God wanted me to go to 12 step meetings and find a sponsor. Yeah. So I went to a couple of meetings when I had a GPS monitor on my leg and, and my time out, out and about from the house that I was at was very limited. but the man that I knew was going to be my sponsor, I, I just heard him. I yeah. heard his voice and he talked about um, how he saw God. Sometimes he's going through life and he does. He can't even see God. Yeah. But when he looks in the in the rearview mirror, he see that God was with him the whole time. And I was like, that's going to be my guy. And that man poured into me and took me everywhere and bought me cigarettes because at the time I was a smoker, you yeah. know, um, and uh, and just just took care of me, took me under his wing. And he had permission to speak into my life because I didn't want to live the way I'd been living. Uh, When I got out of prison, my life was still in shambles. You know, even though I'd been restored inside, the rest of my life was still, there was still fallout from the nuclear bomb that went off that was my addiction. So so I walked with him for two or three years and he spoke into my life and he, he gave me a hard time a lot, but he had permission to do that. Yeah. And I was willing to walk through those things because I wanted to grow as a man. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, when we're doing this deal, that's what we do. We turn to other people or we find people in the rooms of 12-step recovery that we can relate to. Or we mm. find people in church that we can relate to. Or we just find regular everyday people that we can relate to. You know, a lot of you guys are just listening to our show. And if, if we're the vessel to you in, in anything that you're hearing us say reach out to us if you if you need somebody to talk to because that is what god does there's people all around us that are willing and ready to be the vessel and sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't Mm -hmm. you know whenever you've been sober kind of a period of time like we have you know you understand the miracles like you've gotten the miracles you're ready to do God's work. You, you, sometimes I don't know what I say on this show. Sometimes I don't know what I say in a meeting. Sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but 
it's probably going to help somebody else in some way, shape or form, because I have a passion for recovery and I have a passion for Christ. Mm -hmm. And those are the two things that got me sober. And that is a miracle. And, you know, when I was in the, the mess of it, something bigger than me got me out of that mess. You know, I believed um, in Christ my whole entire life. But when I was in the depths of my addiction, I didn't believe in myself. And Jesus Christ got me out of the depths of hell. Like he literally got me out of that muck and that mess and that bondage that I was in just enough to give me hope and let me see a little bit of light. And then I continued um, on that journey. And it, it's that's the calling, right? That's yes. what that's what we're called to do. I think we're supposed to get one, use one, be one is what I think the, the slogan term is in the rooms of recovery. So explain yeah. that, like get a So get one, which means that I'm incapable of doing this on my own and I need somebody to guide me. Uh, use one is do what they say and be one is to pass on what has been so freely given to you. Yeah. What do you think is the main benefit of having an accountability partner? Well, it just keeps me on track yeah. because uh, if, if I know anything about my life and after I've done the inventory and I, and I really have done some drastic self-appraisal, I see that there's times where I fall for my own lies. Yeah. You know, I'm under deception before I get sober. So uh, having a, an array of wise counsel in my life from different facets, whether it be um, the recovery rooms or somebody from from my church or somebody in my in the church body or somebody in the ministry. So I've got several people in my life that that oversee everything. And I've got two or three guys that man, when I, when I can't see my way past it, like through, through the daily routines and I'm doing the spot, the spot check inventory, I've got my go-to guys Yeah. and they will respond. They're involved in my life. They know, they know myself and my wife intimately Yeah. and they know which way to, sometimes it's just encouragement. If I, I sometimes I just need a breakthrough. Sometimes I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just feel blocked off. And that's when the enemy comes to attack and kill and steal and destroy my joy. So and I think that's the beauty of, of 12 step recovery and walking in faith is that, you know, before this, I was, I was blind. I didn't want to hear what anybody had to say. Um, my way was the right way. The ego, um, that's the ego, you know, and what I've learned through this journey is to stop, to listen, to pray, um, to see what, what God has for me, you know, what he wants me to do, what he wants me to say, what, you know, and that takes us being reverent and that takes us being um, a little bit more intimate and that takes us being just quiet, you know, and I'm a talker and that is, that was one of the most difficult things for me is to stop talking enough mm -hmm. and just allow him to work through me and, and allow me to listen and just receive that grace because I think that's what kept me um, for so long in chaos is just, I didn't quiet my mind. And the only thing that would quiet my mind was drugs and alcohol, Yeah, you know? And so it's it's about being taught a new way of living and, and getting a new life. And through that process, um, we receive that grace and it's so beautiful. Yes. Um, so Scott, remind our viewers a little bit about um, your faith walk prior to going to prison. Did you have a foundation of Jesus and the Lord? And what did that look like? I did. So my grandma was really has been the rock of our family. And okay. I remember when she passed away in 2014, um, I was in my period of sobriety. So I've been in and out of the rooms of recovery since I was 18. When everybody was graduating high school, I was in rehab. So, uh, 
so I've struggled with this all my life, but I remember uh, my grandma asking me, so she said, so I really hope you find Jesus. I said, grandma, I did. She goes, I hope you're right. That was the last word she told me. And she also told me she wanted me to get my act together yeah. and how rightfully so that was. But so the, the foundation from her walk is, is what was laid into my life. And I know the, the power of a praying grandma and the power of oh. a praying mother has got, um, a lot of depth and weight in the spiritual realm and uh, thank god for them putting that into my life yeah that's that is my story completely because you know a lot of you viewers out there might believe in christ you might have a loved one out there and that is the best medicine is the power of prayer and sometimes that carried me for four years that i was um drinking and drugging and just going through it my parents were praying and praying and praying and they were trying to question what they did wrong and they didn't do anything wrong right. God wanted me to go through exactly my story so that I could be here with you today and share with you viewers and talk about um, my struggles and what it looked like to lay my bondage at his feet and mm -hmm. just turn my will and my life over to Christ. Like it is such a beautiful thing and it's so clear to me now, but when you're in it, it's awful. You know, yeah. <laughs> the pain, the misery, we, we think that we're not supposed to suffer. But I've learned over the years that, yes, I, I want to suffer because that's when the healing starts to mm -hmm. begin. That's when the, the process starts to happen. And, you know, I used to rely on other people's faith before I had my own. I was I grew up in the church. Um, I knew Jesus and I knew Jesus loved me, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't even understand what that meant. Yeah. And I didn't understand that you could have a personal relationship with Christ. I was... You know, at first we were, we probably take our parents' faith, you know, or, or other people's faith, and we rely on that a little bit. But uh, the beauty in, in having your own spiritual experience mm -hmm. um, is just, I mean, the most amazing thing that can ever happen. All that pain is instantly lifted and is instantly gone. And um, that's what I want for other people. So it's so important to me um, to pour into other people as much as I possibly can. And it does not look like pouring the Bible or Jesus Christ every single time. You know, I have right. people in my life who do not have the same faith walk as I do. So I meet them where they're at, you know? And I know that you have to do that a lot because you're working in prison ministry. And so you have people that might kind of, it's attraction, right? Absolutely. What does that look like in, in prison ministry? So um, typically when we encounter somebody that's already in the prison, they, uh, they have this ability to soak themselves in the word and to be around other brothers in there that are doing the same thing. So um, when we go into the prison, so right now we're going to the Cofield unit. And uh, when we go in, these guys don't need another person trying to evangelize them. They want relationship. And that's what Jesus did. He met people where they were at. And so that's exactly what we do. We, there's no judgment here. We, yeah. we all come from brokenness. We all come from disappointments and deep hurts and daddy wounds and mom wounds and all the things, but we're healed from it. So that's what we have to bring to the table. So this 12 step recovery process is, is something that's set up to be able to put out of our heads and out of our lives and on the paper, the, the traumatic things that have happened in our lives and the disappointments and the hurts and the resentments and all of the, and all the fears. 
and and get some exposure on that and so that way the lord can heal them so share a little bit about 12-step recovery and the bible recovery that you bring into the prisons what does that look like so the 12-step recovery is something that we just walk with okay um most of the guys that go with me and my team into the into the unit that we go to are all in recovery as well so okay. that's just a part of it so really the church and gateway church having a campus inside of that prison is a means to encounter these guys that are struggling and so even in the prisons these guys have access to drugs and alcohol yeah you know they make hooch in there and they're you know drugs are brought in i don't know how or what but yeah. you know those things happen and so addiction is alive and well even in, when people are dealing with incarceration and it, it seems like almost every time we go and we we bring a service in on a bi-weekly basis uh, there's somebody that wants to talk hey man so i've just been sober a couple of days and i'm really struggling with this i need prayer and i need prayer and then that's where we can segue into the 12-step side so if somebody is um in prison and wants to participate in your ministry how do they do that it's an open call okay anybody that wants to show up can show up and and so the chapel that's in this prison that we, that we have a gateway campus in it's air-conditioned oh. the rest of the prison is not okay. so that's kind of a draw so most oh, of the wow. time we'll have three you know some uh three to four hundred guys in there uh sometimes 250 but it's it's usually a pretty good draw so some people just want to go to chapel and services because it's air conditioned yeah they, but they're probably going to hear something that they need to hear that day praise god and so okay so you have all these guys that might attend for selfish reasons or whatnot sure and then how i mean so is there a calling do people take the next step when they're let what are the miracles that you've seen through oh. these services well so the miracles are is uh watching these guys that are incarcerated that have no idea when they're going to see their families again that have no idea you know that that are truly repentant for the crimes they've committed really receive Christ and get set free while they were incarcerated. Yeah. You know, and that's a big part of my walk. When I was incarcerated, I was set free. I was more free in my in the prison that I was in than I'd ever been any day up to my life to that point. So wow. uh, that's the true joy is watching these guys, even the, hey, I don't know when I'm going to make parole, if I'm ever going to make parole. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was on death row and now I'm not. Uh, but I'm good with where I'm at. And the Lord is using what happened in my life, just what you were talking about. The Lord is using what happened in my life right here, right now to minister to these other men. And, you know, even in the in the 12 step world, uh, there's a part where it says that we that uh, what we say has to have depth and weight. So yeah. it takes one to know one. So those guys that are in, in prison can only minister to those guys in prison in a way that only they would understand in the same way. I've got to know the drug game or I've got to know yeah. the alcohol game or or all of that stuff in order to be able to talk to somebody that's new that's yep. coming in the once sobriety. Yeah, so that's how they vet, that's how we vet them as well because if somebody wants to come in and it wants to wants our time in the in the 12 in the rooms of 12 step recovery, um, we're only going to sponsor guys that are willing to do the work. Yeah. So, so you were talking a little bit um, off air before we started about some of these guys are life in prison. Some of these guys only have probably a couple months um, in prison, mm -hmm. different offenses how do they i mean how do they get hope how do they I, I mean i just cannot imagine having a life sentence and then you know coming to the ministry i can see getting having hope through your ministry because you get set free but what are, i just i'm just curious like there has to be so many once they take that step there has to be things that you've seen happen that you can only explain that christ did can you share some of those mm. with us? So there's a group of guys that are in this prison that committed their crimes when they were juveniles. Okay. 
and they were given life sentences. They were either given the death penalty or life sentence. And there's there's quite a few. There's probably 80 or 90 guys in this select group. They're called the 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 prison. They call them the aftershock guys. So there is some legislation that's that they're looking at to give these guys a second look. So they've done at least 30 years of their sentence. And so now they're looking at maybe even making parole, which at first they were sentenced to death or life in prison for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So now they've asked us to come in and, and I'm an entrepreneur as well. And I've got a lot of friends that are ex offenders that are entrepreneurs also. So we bring, we bring in outside um, influencers in some guys. There's one guy that got released in 2018 that has a landscaping business and now I mean, he's, he's a friend of mine and he drives a Lamborghini, right? So wow. what, what we're doing is we're trying to instill hope that yeah. uh, we've all been to prison. There, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope that even though you've been here this long, that God still has a plan for you. God still has a path for you. And to watch the light bulb come on and these guys who quit politicking while they're in prison and, and, and thinking about all the things that they think about when they're in prison, when they go back to their rack at night, they're thinking about what they're gonna do when they get out. And they were, they were their crime put them in a super hopeless position where they would never see the light of day again. And now that there's a little glimmering hope. So that's just one one of the situations that we get to participate in where we see the hope come alive. And and these guys are in prison, they're educated. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, these guys are they're, they're super smart, they're with it. And when we do a Q&A with this group of guys, I mean, they always ask important questions. So I'll bring my business, last time we did had to talk with these guys, I brought my business attorney with me. He's in a prison ministry as well. And they just picked his brain for an hour. Wow. Just, I mean, good, solid questions too. So. Which is an accountability partner. It's just, you know, they're, they're receiving services from a different type of voice, yes, you know? Okay, so um, back to our accountability and, and what we do for a daily, a daily rhythm. Um, how do you show your daily rhythm to the guys that you minister to in your prison ministry? I've got to be 100% totally transparent. When things are great, I've got to share that with them. Yeah. And when things are bad, I've got to share it with them. Absolutely. And there's different phases of sponsorship or mentorship. And uh, one thing that was instilled in me a long time ago, especially from the 12-step side of life, is there's like boot camp. Mm-hmm then there's friendship, then there's partnership. And I've got a few guys that are, it's not even really boot camp. It's just, I've got to, how do I say this? Sometimes I've got to keep my foot on a guy's neck to keep him accountable because yeah. when they show up they're you know, some guys just want to do it their way. And, uh, but there's a, there's a few guys in my life right now that are in the partnerships side of life and, uh, man, we just do life together. So it's not even a thing of, uh, I'm telling them what to do or they're telling me what to do. It's, it's a thing that we just, we're all accountable to each other. Yeah. And when we make mistakes, we repent. First, we go to the Lord, we go to each other and say, man, I did this and it was really stupid. And I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And uh, you know what I found? I, I had a situation that I got to argue with my wife Sunday evening. And uh, I called two of my guys and I said, man, this is what I did. And I told them I needed prayer because I'm losing my cool at the house because I'm just as human as they are. Yep. And you know what they said is, man, you're exactly like me. I did the same thing a week ago. So yep. patch it up and move on fast that's what i learned is yes. that um today it those those hard times are just fewer and far between because i do that stuff faster i call my whoever my accountability partner is i mean obviously it's my sponsor my sponsor mm -hmm. is the first person that i call when i make a mistake and usually the first thing she says is i've been there or i was there last week and so 
ultimately I'm like, oh, thank goodness I'm not alone. You know, and if I need spiritual counsel, I'll go to my spiritual mentor. And you're right. The first thing is just to be honest. You know, we call it a 10th step in 12 step recovery. We review our day every single night and we figure out where we were wrong, where we owe an apology to someone. And if we do that every day, anybody, if anybody did that every day, we'd probably have a lot less offenses, you know, at the end of the week. Yeah. And I found that the more I practice that 10th step and it says we, we ask God at once to remove it. Yeah. Then we let somebody know about it immediately. Immediately. And, then we, and after we made the amends quickly, if we've harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And, yes. And doing that repeatedly, not every time though, Sarah, but doing that repeatedly over and over and over again over the last few years, it's become a part of my life to where it's not a struggle for me to say, hey man, I blew it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely blew it. And when I really look back, I find out that I was probably act, operating in fear. I wasn't getting my way and I was acting like a spoiled child anyway. But yep. the good news is I'm not alone in that, so. Well, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing right there is, you know, some of, some of you guys might not understand the whole concept of having an accountability partner. And, you know, it could be anybody in our lives, but telling somebody your innermost thoughts don't give the devil power you know what i mean um whether it's a simple like oh i kind of want to go out with this other person because my husband's treating me bad or Mm. oh um, i I should go on this website because um i just i'm not you know getting what i need at home or you know all of those different sins can turn out to be so much worse if we don't just ourselves accountable and mm-hmm. it's it takes such a big person to ask for help yes. it takes such a big person to just share it with one person just one person is gonna allow that not to have power and not to continue on mm, yes that's good stuff yeah so um tell the viewers a little bit about how um they can help support your ministry and if anybody out there needs to you know has a loved one in the prison and wants to reach you how they can get a hold of you sure they can go to any gateway campus they can reach out to prison at gatewaypeople.com send them an email and uh who, whatever camp, whatever uh, prison pastor is at that campus that, that that in particular person is closest to, they'll reach out. Okay. So anybody that is coming out of prison or has a loved one in prison can access these services. That is correct. And we've got a place for them. So Gateway and, and our senior pastor, Pastor Robert Morris, we want all of them. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happened, what they've done, what that looks like. They have a home here at Gateway Church. Yeah. And they walk you through life. They help you, you know, if you need to find a job, if you just need you know, prayer. I mean, so many areas that, you know, we just, people don't ask for help anymore. People don't know how to do that stuff. And I love that there's a specific ministry for people coming out of prison who just need somebody else that has walked the walk to walk alongside them. Sure. We've got plenty of ministry partners lined up that we can usually direct traffic in the way to take care of whatever physical needs that need to be taken care of. But as far as discipleship and progressive sanctification and somebody walking with somebody, we got that covered. Yes. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on our show again today and being my co-host. Well, and thanks for having me. You're doing such a great, awesome job. Continue bless, continue being blessed and continue doing what you're doing because you're helping so many people. And so are you guys. Thank you. If ever if anybody needs anything, please reach out to us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. 
You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.